That Certain Look by Ben Forstenzer. Why is Daniel Barino looking at images of scantily clad women on his work computer? Now there is a fine question, but like so many questions, the answer is entirely tied up in the context of things. The way time has snaked around and snaked around and snaked around until it reached the moment when he clicked on that link, that particular thumbnail, and it took him to that particular slideshow, and that particular animal hunger rose inside him because most of the women were at least somewhat attractive, and many of them, he could tell, even though the pictures were all cropped, were not wearing any tops. Daniel Barino doesn't have endless spare time at work, but he is endlessly distractible. And given what's going on with his eventually most likely fiancé right now, he's even more distractible than usual. Daniel will tell you, without you asking, that he can spot a woman he wants to have sex with at a hundred yards. This is not a skill. No, he would tell you, it isn't. But that doesn't make it any less true. Even at that distance, I can see certain curves and proportions, enough of her face to know if I would want to. And does this mean she would have interest in you? Absolutely not. Mr. Barino would go on and tell you, when he does get closer to women, closer than a hundred yards, he gets mighty fixated on their faces. I love faces. Some guys, they say they're ass men, you know. They like specific parts of women. I like faces. A good face drives me crazy. And it was a face. A face in that thumbnail. There was something suggestive, something sly, and something candid all at the same time. And that was in part why he clicked the link, but that wasn't all of it. Gina, his eventually most likely fiancé, who would change status pretty soon, really any time now, she and him had come to an agreement of sorts. What I worry about with long-term monogamy, he explained once, not even while drunk, is getting into a routine with our sex life. Gina, for her part, agreed. With my ex, we would take month-long breaks once or twice a year, and also there was some role-play occasionally involving him being a volleyball coach. Yeah, I don't need to hear about that, said Daniel. Gina nodded. But that seems like a long time, a whole month, said Daniel. Gina had been spending time with some very religious Jews when she met Daniel. Gina grew up a conservative Jew. This did not mean her family was Republican. Conservative Jewish meant her household kept kosher, and they did Shabbat on Friday nights, and they were generally a little more religious than Daniel's family, who were Reformed Jews. Reform meant, I guess I'm a Jew, but please, let's not make a big deal out of this. Gina had been having a bit of a religious reawakening. More like I'm curious and I want to know more, she would say. But as her non-functioning relationship started to really tailspin, she had reached out to anything to stabilize her. It just so happened that the nearby Orthodox Jewish community had an outreach program for 20-something Jews of all backgrounds. Its true goal was to get these young Jews to marry each other, but to facilitate that, they hosted meals and did Torah study and had talks and parties. While doing study, she'd met several Orthodox women. Orthodox meant follow as many rules from the Torah as possible and live sort of like it was still 1750. It was complicated and all-consuming and kind of romantic to Gina. The closest friend from study that she met was a dark-haired, dark-eyed beauty named Rebecca. Rebecca had 14 children. Somehow, she still managed to be vibrant and effusive. In their sharing, Gina told Rebecca about her crumbling relationship with the guy she was with before she met Daniel, and Rebecca schooled Gina on what it was like to be a modern woman in the Orthodox Jewish world, a world heavily built on ancient patriarchal traditions. Rituals around women's menstrual cycle were big amongst the Orthodox. Orthodox Jewish women, even while they aren't menstruating or anything, aren't supposed to touch men who are not in their family. Orthodox Jewish men aren't supposed to touch women either, so there are already prohibitions on touching in general. But when a woman is menstruating, she's not even supposed to touch her husband, let alone lie with him. That is strictly off the table. 
On top of that, it gets more complicated. For Rebecca and other Orthodox Jews from the Eastern European tradition, the whole thing is a 12-day affair, 12 days after the first sign of blood, and as long as everything else is pretty normal, Rebecca takes a ritual cleansing bath in a special ritual tub called the mikvah, and then after that, she can have sex with her husband again. This means that the average, healthy, young, horny, Orthodox Jewish couple have a built-in sex fast of at least 12 days every single month of their average, healthy, young, horny lives. Really? said Gina when she finally put two and two and two together. Yes, said Rebecca. Gina shook her head, wondering if she could manage such a long time without sex. And you know what, said Rebecca, her eyes crinkling with a particularly intimate smile. When you can touch again, it's almost like the first time. Every time. It drives you absolutely crazy. So when Gina and Daniel were laying in bed, a little sweaty from having just rolled around, Gina remembered this conversation. Remember what you said about us getting routine with this? Daniel stirred from his quasi-stupor. What? There was a bubble of fear like maybe he was being cornered into something. What do you mean? You know, now I'm moved in, the next thing we're married, we're screwing all the time. How do we keep from, like, taking each other for granted? Daniel couldn't sense where this was heading. Did she want him to role-play a volleyball coach? He wasn't into that. He went on high alert, which means he started whistling while he thought about what to say. Why are you whistling, said Gina. I was whistling, he said. A tiny little dream was born under the cover of his sternum. In that dream, he did marry Gina, but somehow he was still allowed to occasionally have sex with other women. He went back to whistling. If it was going to go that way, he had to be very, very careful. Gina sat up and looked Daniel in his unshaven face. Her eyes narrowed. Stop whistling. I'm not going to let you sleep with other women. His lips unpursed and he smiled and turned his head and shrugged as if to say, you can't blame me for hoping. Gina went on to explain the process of not having sex during menstruation. This whole time of physical separation from the husband is called nida in Hebrew. After all that time, when you can finally go at it again, it's totally crazy, she said her eyes sparkling with the pre-feeling of being so absolutely horny that she couldn't even contain herself. Daniel could see the benefit in this. He nodded. All right, he said, already regretting that he'd said all right, even as the word all right was coming out of his mouth. We can do the time you're menstruating, but there is no way I'm going a whole 12 days. It was a deal. And Gina was due to menstruate by the next day, and so it began. Two or three days without sex was okay for Daniel. Resistance to the new regime came from an unexpected source. It was about 30 minutes before the alarm was going to go off on the morning of the fourth day, and Daniel woke up in a disgruntled and frustrated state. He checked the clock and worked to will himself back to sleep. 30 minutes was, after all, one-sixteenth of a night's sleep, not something to just throw away. He closed his eyes and directed his body and mind into a memory of the last dream he'd been in. At that moment, a hand slid across his chest and rested there. He patted Gina's hand and tried to feel his way back into that dream. There were strange buildings and a fire in the dream. He moved his awareness in the dark, groping for those burning forms, and Gina, too, was groping for something. Honey, he said, what are you doing? We're doing the Nita thing, remember? I need it, she said. Yeah, yeah, just remember how awesome it is at the end. He moved her hand off of him and rolled over. For whatever reason, her period was going on for a little longer than usual. It was day six and it wasn't over yet. For the last three nights, Daniel had been looking at a great deal of pornography on the internet. This was nothing new, really. During his many single years, he had taken to dating his computer pretty steadily. His computer at the time, a rather inexpensive refurbished Acer, already several years past new, 
had been a fine companion for many a lonely night. His needs were managed with a quick word search. An endless parade of moans and groans were available to him whenever he could steal time, and when he was single that was often, sometimes entire Friday and Saturday nights and Sunday afternoons. He also dated his computer more seriously using dating websites. On these pages, he would think about meeting actual women. These sites, he hoped, would lead to an escape from the endless parade of moaning videos he spent too much time staring at. Time with his computer on the dating sites was all about a future, about a match, about a time when he didn't have to date his computer at all. This is to say that hooking up with his Acer, while Gina and he were not screwing, seemed easy and natural. Dating his computer had some strange side effects, though. His source of erotic release was, at the end of the day, a computer screen with moving images on it. The problem that created was simple and pervasive. There are screens with moving pictures on them. Everywhere. It's like seeing sexy lingerie on every television, smartphone, and work monitor you pass. Having an intimate connection to the screen sexualizes all visual media and can lead to accidental overheating. Which takes us back to the thumbnail. The one Daniel just clicked on at his work computer, no less. Daniel is no dummy. He knows what clicks are safe and what can get him into trouble, and he knew after the slideshow loaded, that he might have just gotten himself into trouble, but there were all these pictures of women from the 70s, and they were so natural and candid and innocent and somehow dirty that he couldn't take his eyes off them. Then he read the title of the slideshow. Serial Killers Photos Finally Released. Do you know any of these women? Henry Acalde had murdered, with certainty, at least 15 women. Some people believed he had actually killed 50 or 100 or more. He'd been convicted of seven murders in Southern California and eight in New York City. He'd been on The Price is Right once and won the whole showcase showdown. The Wikipedia page says it was an alpine adventure complete with skis, a trip to Europe, a new Jeep, and a fancy Nikon camera. He was known as The Price is Right Killer, which is a clunky name for a serial killer, but if the shoe fits, you know. During his active period of killing, he took many, many pictures. Some were at beaches, children and their parents showering off the sand. These were innocent, sweet, well-framed. Some were candid shots from Venice and Coney Island, but most were women. Some even just girls. Many of the women and girls were shot topless, the internet slideshow was presented so no parts of the women's bare tops were seen, but the article said that the pictures were cropped, and upon closer inspection, it was obvious. Henry Acalde had pretty excellent taste in women. It's just a true thing. He liked pretty women. Daniel found almost all of the women, not all, but almost all, to be really lovely, some exceedingly so, and whatever bizarre sociopathic traits Akalde had, he clearly had the ability to get women to come back to his place and take off their clothes. He must have had some sort of terrifying charm. Or maybe in the 70s it wasn't so hard to get people to come back to your place and get naked if you were carrying a camera. Daniel couldn't take his eyes off the pictures. As he flipped through them, he realized he was getting aroused. He was primed to. He'd been dating his computer again, and here he was looking at a screen with pretty girls and close-ups of their faces, and it was distracting him badly. He kept checking the office door to make sure no one came in. He had his hand hovering over the control button and the W key to close the tab at a moment's notice. One picture caught him and would not let go. She was wearing a bathing suit, and she had a bit of a weak chin, but she was very lovely. There was a way she was looking at Akalde behind his camera, a way Daniel had come to know in his later years as the look of a woman who really is drawn to you. It beamed out of her eyes. He wondered what was so appealing about the Price is Right killer that he could elicit such a profoundly erotic look from this woman. Daniel's eyes narrowed and his stomach bounced hard like a basketball had been dribbled in his gut. He enlarged the picture. He leaned in toward the screen. 
If someone had come into his office, it would have looked like he was finally going to consummate his relationship with the computer screen, but that wasn't it at all. He looked closely at the woman's chin. It was weak, just a little, and those eyes, a strange broken glass kind of green, and the shape of the lips. Oh, fuck, he said out loud. That's Gina's mom. He'd met Gina's mom several times. She was nice enough. In the early days, she always looked at him for too long, with her eyes kind of squinting. She seemed to be looking for the horrible thing, the underlying flaw that would make Daniel and Gina's relationship turn out like her marriage had. Daniel felt she was trying to find proof, proof that would be written somewhere on Daniel's face or on his clothes, proof that he was a no-good shit and a philanderer like Gina's dad, but as the relationship with Gina got more serious, her mother eventually warmed. Last Hanukkah, she had produced an excellent gift for Daniel, a small jade Buddha that Daniel kept on its own tiny altar. Gina's mother had come to believe that all men were not like Gina's dad. Some could actually be trusted. Gina's mom, her name was Gertrude, looked great for her age, but Daniel would not have connected the serial killer's photo to his eventually most likely future mother-in-law if he hadn't seen pictures of her when she was young. Gina had a few photos of young Gertrude on her Facebook page, and Daniel had seen them while flipping through pics. It was troubling, but true. Gertrude had been a fox. Gina was pretty enough. Her weak chin was ever-present, but her lips and her eyes were really quite lovely, and her skin smooth and pale. Gertrude's chin was a little more firm, and somehow that made all the difference. It had made Daniel think some uncomfortable thoughts. They were only uncomfortable when he thought about sharing them with Gina. Otherwise, they were just arousing. Gertrude had ran track and did gymnastics all the way through college. One of the pictures Gina had posted showed Gertrude in her running kit having just won a heat of some sort in Virginia, her arm draped around a dark-haired runner in the same orange and blue uniform. She was glistening slightly, her red hair catching the light. Her smile was painfully real, a flush of victory on her cheeks. Her athletic form barely concealed in the short shorts and tight tank top, Daniel had spent a little bit of time getting familiar with that image. Damn, he said. You go, Gertrude. Akalde's picture appeared to have been taken within two or three years of the track photo. In it, she wore a blue bikini, a very revealing one, her athlete's body pale, white, and strong, right there for all to see. Gertrude's long red hair was tucked behind her ears. Maybe she was dancing, Daniel couldn't tell. A light was set out of the shot somewhere in front of her. It cast a dark shadow of Gertrude's figure against the wall behind. There was a pale green sofa across the room and a table with some chairs. There were bottles on the table. A few drinking glasses caught the light there too, shining. Gertrude was looking right at the camera, right at Akalde. Daniel had a strong feeling about the look on her face. He had good reason to. With the exception of the chin and a certain sense of confidence, which... Gertrude had and Gina lacked, they were nearly identical. The look Gertrude was giving Akalde could have been Gina's look the night they had first slept together. It was a look Gina had thrown him at the restaurant that night. And when Daniel received it, he double-checked that he had a condom with him. He did. All right, he said, standing at the computer. So this is weird. Gina had moved in only a week before. It was still a little strange to come home and find her taking a nap on the sofa. He watched her sleeping for a minute. He flashed to the picture of Gertrude, the extreme animal sense in her eyes. Uh, honey, he said. She did not stir. He thought about the shape of Gertrude's body, how Gina had a similar build, small but strong, with a well-defined rear. His cheeks flushed. I suppose I could tell her later. He saw the image of her mother in his brain's eye again. He laughed and shook his head. She woke from his laugh. Her face crinkled up and she let out a huge yawn. I'm hungry, she said. 
Okay, he said, trying to banish the image of Gertrude from his mind. Let's go get dinner. They went out for dinner and came back. She talked about school and administration drama the whole time. Daniel listened. As he emptied his pockets onto the front hall table, he steeled himself and cleared his throat. Are you okay, said Gina? I saw something today I think I should show you. What, something on the internet? She put up water for tea and took off her shoes. Let me get my machine. He ran upstairs and got his laptop. The Acer he'd been dating during Nita. From downstairs she yelled, I'm tired, I don't want to look at any crap tonight. He was back in the kitchen quickly. Please, honey, just sit down, I need to show you this. Is it funny? She said, making an uncomfortable laugh, like that video with the auto-tuned African preacher. No, said Daniel. Then I really don't want to see it. Come on, I want some tea. I want to go to bed. Daniel found the link and clicked it, then put the computer down on the table. Daniel, I said I don't want to see it. He nodded. Honey, just look at it, okay? I'm asking you to just look. Would you just look, please? She did look, right at Daniel. What is this about? Just look. He turned the screen so it faced her. It took less than a second. What the fuck is this? I've never seen this picture before. Where is this from? Honey, listen to me. L look at me. Her already pale face grew paler. Her eyes clouded slightly and narrowed. What the fuck is this? She said again. These pictures were taken by a serial killer in the 70s. They were just released in the hopes of finding missing people, like victims. Gina slowly breathed in through her nose. She filled her lungs, then breathed out. She gathered up the spit in her mouth and swallowed it, and then she turned to the screen and looked at it very very closely. What year is this? She said. I don't know. It seems within a few years of the track picture you showed me. Gina shook her head. It can't be. She was already with Dad. Look at her body, her face. She looks like she's still running track in that picture. When did she stop? No, she said, her voice rising on the vowel. She was already with Dad. Honey, he said, I don't know what to say. Look for yourself. I mean, when were they married anyway? What the hell is she doing hanging out with some guy in a bathing suit? And did you see that look? They are totally sleeping together. Gina reached for her phone and Daniel grabbed it. Wait a minute. Wait to call her. Give me my goddamn phone. He pulled the phone out of her reach. Gina, he screamed. Just wait two minutes, okay? This wasn't just some guy. This guy was also a serial killer. So we don't know what the fuck went on here, okay? So please, let's just wait to call. She stood up and poured the hot water into her mug. She stopped running track when she graduated, but she was already with Dad, so this doesn't make any sense. Dad wasn't always, you know... Your dad was an asshole about stuff. Maybe your mom already knew? No way, she said. She put the mug down hard, spilling some steaming water, and quickly went back to the screen. She got very close, like she was trying to jump inside the room with her mother, maybe to throw a shirt over her. I think dad's there with her. She scanned the image closely, shaking her head in tight little back and forths. Gee, he said, touching her shoulder. Your father is not there. Gina's shoulders slumped. She closed her eyes. She went with him to San Diego for med school, right? This must have been taken there, said Daniel. Her eyes still shut, she said. I guess so. Daniel closed the laptop. Quietly, Gina said, So what the hell is she doing with some guy while Dad is in med school. Daniel pushed Gina her tea. She took a small sip. 
I can't answer that, he said. Maybe she was getting back at him for running around on her. No! They weren't even married yet. He wasn't even doing that. God, what the hell are you even talking about? Sorry. Forget it. Daniel's chest got tight the way it had once when he'd walked too far down a trail into the woods too close to sunset. The light had been leaving the treetops, and he had a long walk back to safety. This... This thing doesn't matter. Really? If it doesn't matter, then why are you showing it to me? She lasered a look at him and raised her eyebrows. I don't know, he said, groping through his bank of words and phrases, trying to find one to calm her down. Oh, it matters, she said. It certainly does matter. She opened the laptop and went back to the slideshow. Slowly, she reached down and advanced the slideshow one image. The next shot was a Farrah Fawcett-looking blonde wearing a bikini even more revealing than Gertrude had worn. While she was less athletic than Gertrude, her body had the fullness of a Playboy model, her pose chest out, back arched by a window with golden light streaming down on her was pure sex. Her eyes dripped with yes. Gina's eyes narrowed. What were you doing looking at these pictures anyway? She said, Ah, uh, what exactly does that mean? said Daniel. She flipped forward again. The next image was cropped, a brunette this time, grinning from ear to ear. Though her bare chest had been cut from the image, her breasts somehow became ever more present in their visual absence. She looked at Daniel, then looked back to the screen and flipped back to the image of her mother. Did you touch yourself? she said, her eyebrows going up, her chin going down, the method she used to pass judgment with her face. Daniel cleared his throat. I was at work. Did you want to? she asked, her expression frozen, though a tear had formed in her left eye. It was a tear of rage. This is not what Nita is supposed to be about. Daniel stood up and shook his head. We're on our break. I get frustrated. Did you touch yourself while looking at my mother? She stood too. She pushed the chair in and stared at him slowly, shaking her head. Um, said Daniel. He certainly would have had he not been at work. He wondered if this was a time to lie or a time to be honest. He took too long. Sucking her teeth and nodding, she walked from the kitchen table to the stairs. At the foot of the stairs, she stopped and said, I'm not bleeding anymore. She walked up to the bedroom, where she promptly fell asleep. In the car, driving to lunch the next day with co-workers, Daniel sat in the back and tried not to talk about what happened. He wasn't sure if it made him seem like a pervert or not, Every time he tried to craft the story, it always had a beginning. That beginning involved him looking at pictures of girls on the internet at work. No, probably shouldn't discuss it. They were heading to get pho at a good place, and it was a treat for the middle of the week. So have you had that ring made yet? His co-worker in the passenger seat asked. He was on a second marriage. Yes, yes I have, he said. The ring was sitting in his bedside table, all locked and loaded. Blue velvet box and everything. Okay, when are you going to do it? Daniel nodded. Then he shook his head. He looked down and saw a Bible in the little pouch in the back of the passenger seat. He pulled it out. It opened to Ecclesiastes. They call it Koheleth in Hebrew. That's my favorite book of the Bible, said the co-worker in the driver's seat. She was a friend of his. He scanned the page and read aloud. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Daniel closed the book, leaned back, and closed his eyes. Uplifting, said his co-worker in the passenger seat. Indeed, said Daniel. He pictured Gina, lasers shooting from her eyes. 
he imagined the picture of Gertrude, desire glowing from her face. So when are you going to do it? said his co-worker in the passenger seat. Yeah, he said, that is a good question. They hadn't spoken in the morning when she got up for school. She hadn't called or texted at lunch. She hadn't answered when he did call during her planning period. She always answered when he called. She was there in the kitchen when he got home. Still a novelty. She was making dinner. Have you talked to her yet? He asked, through her iced silence. He eyeballed the quantity of vegetables being cut, but could not figure whether she was making enough for him. Their Nita break had now extended eight days. To who? She asked. Your mother, he said with a small laugh, as if to say, Obviously. She shot a sour look and sucked her teeth again. Her chopping continued. She's coming tomorrow, she finally said. He nodded. She cooked. Has she seen the picture? Did she say anything about it? About tits, said Gina with a mean little smile. Genius, said Daniel, shaking his head and looking up at the ceiling. You hurt me just fine. I didn't mention it. Neither did she. Then why is she coming down all of a sudden? I told her I wanted to talk to her, that I missed her, which I do. Daniel nodded. She finished cooking. She did not share. She ate, went up to bed. Driving home the next evening, Daniel reached his hand up to his jaw and started rubbing. As he got closer to his house, he opened and closed his mouth a few times. I've been chewing my teeth all day, he said to no one as he parked and got out. Gertrude's car was there. He could see the two of them in the kitchen as he approached, but all seemed normal. Coming in the door, Gertrude smiled and stood. Hello there. The place looks great. She walked over and gave him a hug. A scan of Gina's eyes showed that nothing serious had yet been said. Smiling, he hugged his most likely future mother-in-law. It's wonderful to see you, he said. Are we all hungry? Starving, said Gina, taking his hand. She squeezed it hard. Something stirred in his loins. Their Nita had lasted nine days. Any touch was stimulating. Small talk lasted through the meal at the Chinese place all the way until three small servings of a green-colored sorbet showed up. Gina slurped hers down, then took Daniel's. After finishing his, she bit her lip and looked right at her mother. Daniel's eyes bulged, and he breathed deeply. Mom, she said. Yes, dear. Gertrude's eyes changed slightly as she sensed the altered direction of the evening. Did you see, um, on the internet, did you see the pictures? Gina's lips pressed together so hard they turned white. What pictures, dear? Akade's pictures, Mom. The picture of you. Gertrude placed her sorbet on the table. Her chin went down and her eyebrows up. Daniel recognized Gina's judgment face, but saw that Gertrude could use it as a feigned confusion look. What are you talking about? Daniel, whose jaw had locked tightly onto itself, tried to control himself, but failed. You're wearing a blue bikini, hanging out with a serial killer. Does that ring a bell? Gina took Daniel's hand under the table and crushed it. He did not make another sound. Mom, we saw it. Don't make me pull it up on my phone or something. Just tell me what the hell it's about. Gertrude breathed in through her nose and out through pursed lips. She looked down and to her right, then looked back up at them. It was a party, she said. Gina's grip released on Daniel's hand. We were at a party, a small one. We were very, 
very drunk. I was dancing with your father. We didn't know that Akalde man. Lisa had a thing for him. She invited us over. Lisa? From the picture, said Daniel. What picture, said Gertrude. The picture on Gina's Facebook page, the track meet. Yes, yes, that's her, she said, nodding. A small, dark storm passed over her face. He killed her. Or at least we think so. She went missing and her body never showed up. Oh my God, said Gina. I'm sorry to dredge this up. No, it's okay. Lisa's a long time gone. And I understand. You saw the picture. It seems strange, but strange things do happen. She picked her sorbet back up and finished it. Daniel and Gina sat and watched her. Finally, Gina looked up. I look good in that picture, though, don't I? Daniel coughed into his hand. Gina nodded hard and fast. Oh, yeah, Mom, you look great. So Dad was there, said Gina. Yeah, he was at the party, said Gertrude. What year was that, said Daniel. Gina shot a look at him. He smiled at Gertrude. We were trying to figure it out. Gertrude nodded. Hmm, what year? I think that's 73. We had just moved a few months before. It's probably early summer. Was it a pool party, said Daniel? Yeah, I think there was a pool there, but I mostly remember the booze, which is to say I remember not remembering much. Gina let out a laugh. It's so hard to picture you at some crazy 70s party. Oh, we saw our share, said Gertrude. And that was the last they discussed it. Small talk returned, and Daniel drove them all back to the house. Late that night, Gertrude slept on the inflatable bed in Gina's office while Daniel stared at the picture of her younger self. Tired from a long day of working and jaw-clenching and antsy from not having sex for nine days, he rubbed his eyes and tried to learn something more from the image. Gina was knitting upstairs in the bedroom. What's the matter here, he said. Well, first of all, there's still the face she's making. She isn't claiming that Gina's dad took the picture, and she isn't claiming he's right behind a Calde, so she's still making this face at this guy. He enlarged the view of the picture and moved around the image. And if this is a party, where the hell is everybody else? He flipped through the other pictures again. There were some group shots, but these were of multiple topless women. There were even a few hanging around the house pictures, but these two did not have any scantily clad women in them. Daniel went up to the bedroom. Gina looked up when he entered, then looked back down. He carried his laptop. Honey, he said. She said nothing, her needles moving with very low clicks. Honey, he said again. Yes, she said without looking up. It's not right, he said. What are we talking about, she said. He walked toward her with the laptop. The picture. I think we're done talking about this, she said, still working her stitches. Tightness curled around and closed like a fist in his torso. It was right at the bottom of his ribcage on the left side. A throbbing, tight ball of anger. We're done talking about this? Really? Your mother just lied to your face, but we're done talking about this. She looked up. You keep it down, Daniel. You keep it the fuck down. I'm not waking my mother because of your sex-fueled fantasies. It was embarrassing enough that you found the picture. Only a fucking perv looks at those pictures, so you just keep your goddamn voice down. Fine, he said with a seething whisper, but we are not done talking about this because it's a lie, and I'm not going to be in a relationship where lies are okay. I am not okay with lies, and my partner won't be either. She put her knitting aside and stood. Then also, in an angry whisper, she said, Are you threatening to break up with me? Is that what that means? You aren't going to be in a relationship where lies are okay like I'm okay with lies? She walked to him. Fuck you, mister. How about that for the truth? Her story doesn't match up. 
There are no other party pictures with sexy girls. That means hers is the only one like that out of like 120 photos they released. The only one with a party and a nearly naked woman. Oh yeah, of course, you're an expert on some sick fucking serial killer's weird sex pictures because you're a pervert. Her whisper was falling away, her voice digging into her anger. All right, pervert, go ahead and school me. Tell me some obscure shit about pictures that murderers take. Daniel shook his head. You're so scared of the truth, it's turning you into a serious bitch machine. What year did your dad go to Europe for the summer to see his brother? Wasn't that around the same time? It was always a thing that the family didn't take your mom. Doesn't it make more sense that we're seeing something different than what she says? All right, Columbo, she screamed. You fucking know it all. I didn't know I was dealing with a true sleuth. Daniel pictured the ring. He'd had it made from a bracelet that his mother got for her wedding. It was an heirloom from his mother's great-grandfather, Zeta Marcus. He shook his head, suddenly unable to picture it on Gina's finger. The ball of anger that had formed in his stomach was a pulsing thing like a bird opening and closing its wings. I had something for you. Did you know that? What are you talking about, she said. She sneered at him, but there was fear behind it. He looked inside his brain. He found a file of things that you never say because you can never, ever take them back. He scanned the file and realized he was not going to make that mistake. Nothing, he said. But look at this, he said, pointing to the screen. Look at her face. She isn't looking at your dad. She's looking at the man behind the camera. Shaking her head, she said, well, shit. Let's wake her up and interrogate her. I'm already up, said her mother from the doorway. Daniel closed the computer quickly and put it down. I'm sorry our voices were loud, said Daniel, rubbing his beard. Sorry, Mom, we're just having a little thing, said Gina, walking toward her mother. I heard every word. Don't bullshit me. Come downstairs and put up some water. She turned and walked down the stairs. They followed her without speaking. Daniel filled the kettle, and Gertrude sat at the table. She sat serenely, her posture tall, straighter than Gina sat. He often tried to correct Gina's posture, but uh, it never worked. There was Gertrude, serene and straight. Her night face showed her age, but also her sustained beauty, both at once. Daniel looked right at her. The girl from the pictures was long gone, but the shape of the face was unmistakable. Gina sat across from her mother. She fidgeted, her shoulders hunched. When it became clear that a cue was being waited on, Daniel took a deep breath and said, All right, go ahead. Gertrude nodded. Your father was in Europe. They didn't take me. I think you know the story, or at least that part. It was true. Lisa had been spending a lot of time with Rod. Gertrude's face shifted, lost years. She closed her eyes and continued. Rod had some kind of danger about him, but he had a way. God, he'd smile. He'd ask you to dance. You might never have danced, never been asked to, but he asked and you did it. He'd smile again and you'd be taking a drink, sweet and strong, and then he'd smile some more and ask for more. Mom, what the hell are you talking about, said Gina. Give me a minute. I'm getting there. Gina looked at Daniel. He shrugged. Yes, your father was away. Yes, I was angry as hell. Yes, Rod had this energy. He was so damn charming. And yes, we, we were physical. Jesus, Mom, said Gina. That's not your Jesus, honey, said Gertrude. I know, Mom, said Gina. Your father's damn trip lasted five weeks. Lisa took me over to Rod's on the third night he was gone. I think I spent more nights with them, partying, going crazy, really, than I spent at our place for all those weeks, and that's how it all came out. Your father was suspicious. Our place didn't look 
lived in. I'd barely done laundry. I was in a bathing suit almost the entire time. All we did was swim and drink and, frankly, take our clothes off. Your father sensed something. The same clothes were in the hamper as when he left. No food in the fridge. I had no work to show for the time, and he asked me questions. I had no good answers. After a day or two, I came clean. It tore him in two. Wait a minute, said Gina. Just hold it. Yes, dear, said Gertrude. Had he already cheated on you? The water boiled. Its whistle cut through the room, shrill, dumb, and relentless. Daniel ran to take it off the heat. It let out one last whimper. Gertrude watched Daniel. When the water was poured, she took an enormous breath, leaning her head back slightly. She let that breath go and looked into her daughter's eyes. She shook her head. No, honey. He hadn't, no. You cheated first? Gina stood up and walked around the kitchen. You cheated first? You broke his heart and what? How did you go on from there? I begged for forgiveness, said Gertrude, still sitting tall. It took months, but he decided to go forward with the wedding. But let's be clear, he never really forgave me. All those women, all those women and all that time, no, he never let me off the hook for what I did. Gina leaned against the counter, shaking her head. She ran her hands through her hair and touched her throat and tried to breathe. Mother, could you go to a hotel for the night? Without waiting for an answer, Gina walked upstairs, leaving Daniel and Gertrude in the kitchen. Daniel watched the stairs where Gina had gone, then finally turned to his eventually, most likely future mother-in-law. He looked her in the eyes and nodded. Okay, he said. Now what? I suppose I'll go pack my things. Can you find me a hotel? You must know a nice one. Daniel sipped the hot tea. Why don't you wait here, he said. Give me a minute with her. Just sit tight. Gertrude pursed her lips and nodded, then shrugged. I've seen her angry. You go ahead and try, but be careful. He ran up the stairs to his bedroom. Or is this our bedroom now, he wondered. She was sitting at the edge of the bed, shaking her head. This is a whole new thing, she said. This is a whole different tale. I have to tell my brother and sister. I have to tell everyone. Honey, said Daniel. Everyone has to know it's a whole new thing. I should post it on Facebook. I should call people. I should send out a mass text. My father, he, it wasn't, it started with her. This is a whole new thing. Honey, said Daniel as he approached the bed. She kept shaking her head. No, you don't understand. This is a dramatic, a total. This is like a whole new story. He knelt before her and touched both her legs. She stopped talking. He looked up at her. Honey, he said, please go talk to your mother. She looked him in the eyes. He took her hands. Even that caused a stir in his loins. With the passage of midnight, it had been ten calendar days since they'd had sex. He held her hands and squeezed them. Darling, I'm so sorry this crazy shit has happened. Please go and talk to your mother. You'll feel better after you talk to her. She kept looking at him. Hug me, she said. He rose from his knees and tumbled on top of her. He squeezed her tight and they kissed softly on the lips. Then they kissed a little harder. Honey, he said, go talk to her. I'll be here when you get back. She squeezed him hard, then pulled back and looked at him, nodding. Okay, that makes sense. She went downstairs and found her mother. An hour later, she woke him with her hands on his stomach and her mouth on his. He kissed back, then stopped. What? she said. Is everything all right? he asked. She turned on the light. No. It's not all right, but we'll figure it out. He looked at her, looked at her eyes, her weak chin, her dark red hair. He smiled. What? She said. Just looking at you. 
She smiled shyly and rolled over onto her side of the bed. She took a hard, deep breath and let it out. I'm sorry for being such a shit, she said. Daniel let out a little laugh through his nose. I'm sorry for wanting to fuck your mother's younger self. She laughed and hit him pretty hard in the arm. All right, I can take that. He found her hand and held it. I don't want it to be like they were, she said. I don't want it to be a sham or full of anger. She rolled onto her side and reached over to take his chin. Look at me, she said. He turned on his side, locking into her blue, broken glass eyes. Okay. It can't be like theirs was, okay? We have to talk about stuff. We have to be straight with it. She nodded as she said it. Okay, yes, he said. Okay, she said back. He rolled over, opened his bedside table, and pulled out the box. Rolling back to face her, he opened it. She laughed. Really, she said, her eyes widening. Now? We're still here, even after this? She put it on, crying. We'll tell her tomorrow, she said, reaching to turn off the light. With a laugh in her throat, she attacked his mouth. Their Nita was over soon after that. The next morning, Gina ran out to get coffee, leaving Daniel to sleep in. He woke and wandered downstairs to find Gertrude in the living room. I heard the good news, she said, smiling. I'm so excited, he nodded. It still hasn't settled in, he said. If you aren't a little freaked out, then something's wrong, she said. Thank God. Everything's really, really good then. They both laughed. Can I ask you a question, said Daniel, taking a seat across from her. Sure. You used to look at me funny when you met me, said Daniel. Okay, if you say so. No, you did. You looked at me with great scrutiny. It was some kind of inspection. I thought I understood what you were doing. Now you aren't so sure, she said. He nodded. What did you think? I thought you were looking for the cheater in me, looking for whatever Gina's dad had, trying to protect her from that, he said. No, said Gertrude. I was looking to see if you had something he didn't have, the capacity to forgive. That Certain Look by Ben Forstenzer <laughs>